Welcome to Monuments and Movements. On today's episode, we honor the life of local legend Stanford McFadden. We discuss life lessons he taught us that helped shape us into the men that we are today. Let's talk about it. Well, hey, welcome to the Monuments and Movements podcast, where we talk about culture and how you as an individual have the power to shape it. I'm here today with my man, Kenny. Kenny, how's it going? Doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Took a week off or so. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, so for our listeners, we, we kind of did take a week. A lot of stuff just kind of came up this last few weeks, a lot of family stuff and whatnot, but we actually were trying to post our last episode for several days, but apparently, I don't know if someone reported us or if the algorithm is labeling us as ultra white wing i don't know but our stuff has actually been under review our podcast it's pretty crazy huh i mean hey (laughs) happens to all the greats (laughs) that's right no it's it's funny because our last episode that we recorded was actually called censorship where we talked about being censored and we talked about algorithms catching people and then maybe it was the title of our podcast that got us caught up in the algorithm this time I tried doing it over the course of four days. It took four days to get the episode up. So for those of our listeners who are like, man, why, why does it take you guys so long to put it out? We're fighting big tech. F- fighting the good fight. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. I'll bite my tongue before this episode. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're actually being censored or not. I, hey, that's not what I'm telling my mom. <laughs> but I, I will say it is, a, it is a strange coincidence. I'm just saying. I, I Like I said, I'm not going to say anymore or else <laughs> it's going to just get worse. But I don't know about you, but I feel like if we are being censored, that, that does feel kind of good to me. Yeah. It feels like we're we're doing something right. You know? I don't mean right wing, but no. that's probably what they think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ch- chances are that is the type of material that they would want to censor for sure. It's It's a slippery slope. I'm not... <laughs> Yeah, we, we got to be careful from now on because now we know they're listening. So. <laughs> yeah, man, here we go. Anyways. Let's get into it. Something a little bit less controversial, maybe. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. No promises. Well, the person that we're going to talk today, talk about today definitely didn't shy away from controversy. Uh, we had, you know, there was a guy that both of us knew. He was my uncle, my uncle Stanford. Kenny, you knew him how? So Stanford was one of my first football coaches. Coach Stan, so me and uh, you, actually your cousin um, Jordan, which is Stanford's son, um, Stanford and my dad coached together on our on our first, uh, well, my first football team was about seven years old, so I was just a little guy when I met Coach Stanford. Yeah. I feel like even as an adult, when you look at Coach Stanford, you still feel like a little guy. I definitely still <laughs> felt like a little guy. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, my Uncle Stanford, he passed away this, this last weekend. We just had the memorial service, so if you guys are wondering where we've been, we just kind of had a lot of family stuff we're taking care of, but we thought it'd actually be really cool since Stanford was a part of both of our lives. And, and you know, for me, he, he was, we were really close. I know for you, he was a coach. Right. But we just thought it'd be cool to have an episode where we really just honor him, honor his legacy, and just talk about some of the, the life principles that he taught us and some of the, the things that we, we take with us uh, in his memory and his legacy. Right. So this one goes out to Uncle Stan. Oh, yeah. Or Coach Stan. Yeah. We'll probably we'll probably toggle back and forth between those those titles. 
Kenny knew him as a coach. I knew him as uncle. Yeah, I mean, he was a lot of things to uh, to a lot of people. He was um, pretty well known in like the powerlifting community. Yeah, um, that's actually probably I think how him and him and my dad met back in the day, old school powerlifters. Yeah, um, he was always around football and sports, and uh, he was a big. He had a big, huge impact on you. I don't know how many stories I've heard from you of different things your uncle has told you, or different, yeah, different stories and and you know things like that. Yeah, everything from getting in trouble for talking back to your mom to somebody taking your bike or yeah, all the sorts. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a little background about me. I grew up without a dad, and so I had four uncles. You know, he really kind of stepped up. Three of them lived out of town, and Uncle Stan was the local uncle. So, you know, he would come over at least once a week growing up just to check up on us. Whip you into shape. Whip me into shape. You know, if if the grass was <laughs> tall, he'd say, hey, hey, young man, why why is the grass so tall? I'd be like, oh, well, Uncle Stan, you know, you told me to work really hard, so I went and put a lot of fertilizer on it, and it just grew super fast overnight, but I'll make sure to cut it. No, I, I, that wouldn't fly. And that's why you don't have grass now. Yep, that's why <laughs> That's why I got cement all around my backyard. No. So, yeah, you know, Stanford, he, he, was, he was a local hometown hero. Uh, he was very strong, uh, especially physically. He was 62, I think, and still benching 500 pounds. He was massive. Yeah. He's the kind of guy when you walk around in public, people take a second look because, like, damn, that guy's big muscle. Very clean muscle, too. No roids or anything. Big dude. Big guy. So, you know, I just thought it'd be cool today, especially, you know, just to honor him if we just share some lessons that, we, that we've taken from his life, some things that he's taught us. You know, it's been really comforting even, you know, after his passing. I've got several messages on text. I've got some messages on Facebook, Instagram, people messaging me about how my uncle really impacted their lives and helped them. And especially a lot of people from the gym, because my uncle spent a lot of time in the gym. He's probably right. there every day for two, sometimes three hours. I'd work out with him, and he'd be there for three hours, and that was his thing. And so we kind of comprised a little list of life lessons that we've learned from him, and we just want to go through those today and share them with you, the listener. Yeah, even though you know a lot of people that hear this might not even know you know who we're talking about or anything like that, but I think... Um yeah, Stanford's life is is a life that um, inspired tons of people. Um, he he motivated tons of people. He um, there's some some yep. pretty looking back on even myself, kind of starting my own coaching journey. Looking back on a lot of the, the way I shape um, how I coach or how I speak to my players um, has a lot to do with with guys like my dad and Stanford and just good old fashioned um, real people that have influenced my life since since a very young age. Yeah. All right, so Kenny, what's one lesson that Uncle Stan or Coach Stan taught you? Wow, so, okay, the, the one thing that always comes to mind when I think of Coach is, uh, is just being being a seven little seven-year-old fresh to the world, probably one of, other than like T-ball, um, which isn't a very organized sport at that age, you know, when you're four or five years <laughs> old. But, uh, you know, being seven years old, having my first go at an organized sport, um, you know, playing with seven, eight, nine, even maybe 10-year-olds on the team. <clears throat> um, there was one thing that always stuck out, and it was the way that, that Stanford uh, spoke to us. As as such, you know, young guys, we're just getting a lot of people still <laughs> learning how to run, learning how to, 
even just play football. But yeah, um, one thing that I valued about about uh, guys like Stanford and and my dad and the other coaches that were kind of there and also had had sons on the team is uh, they all took it probably equally as hard on on their own boys and you know the other coaches kids that's just their yeah. old they're old they're old school guys so even if even though it was my first year and I was a you know a year younger I remember Stanford expecting a lot of, out of me I was definitely uh one of the smallest if not the smallest kid on the team but I remember Stanford uh you know just just talking to us as equals um talking to us as men you know even down to <laughs> even down to uh the very language that he used you know is yeah. probably some of the first strong language that I ever heard in my life being that old but um I just remember yeah I just remember you know being at the end of practice and and Stanford would would run um the conditioning portion yeah. it was kind of like um Stanford was was kind of like the assistant coach of the team my dad, when it was time, he would. My dad was the head coach at the time, and Stanford had coached pretty much everything, so it was pretty much ha- like having two head coaches on the team. Uh, my dad would be like, "All right, Stanford, you know, do your thing, run them." Yeah. And man, would he? I I remember just the pain and and uh, you know of running sprints and wanting to throw up, but he wouldn't. He he had a a certain way where some coaches will. When when they do conditioning, they they have there's certain things coaches tell you, and I remember he taught us at, very, at such a very young age the importance of of striving to be to be great. I know I'm talking about manhood and and being a man, but even just to he his method of we'd run so many sprints and then towards the end he would say, okay, if you're first, you can stop running. You're you're done, and he would do that. Um, just about until everybody on the team had a shot to to win the race. So you can be down to the last three kids running. And hey, yeah. if you're first, one less sprint you have to do. <laughs> and in one side, you can look at it as like, man, if you're the slowest guy on the team, you're doing a lot of sprints. But he he never really framed it like that. He never really kind of you know shamed, so to speak, the, the guy who finished last. It was more of the, the motivation factor of, hey, I don't care if, if you're the fifth slowest guy on the team or whatever, you're going to finish first one yeah. of these races. You're going to taste success. And, you know, ever since that day, whenever I, I spoke to him, even just as you were describing, you know, what he told you, young man, it's, that's what he'd always say. Maybe if, even if I caught him off guard at the gym, he, he might not, not have seen me in a, a few years. He would, hey, young man, how's it going? And then he would recognize me and see me. Oh, DeBone, what's up? How you doing? How's your dad? Um, and all yeah. that. But but he was always young man. You yeah. know, it was always, he expected manliness. Out yeah. of out of the guys that he coached, um, and he would instill instill fear in you, but in a way that motivated you to chase after success. And just like the example I gave about running the sprints, but um, I just that stuck out to me, and it really, when I started coaching this year, really was one of the examples that I followed when I spoke, when I speak to to my players, is I I try to treat them as equals, even though they're sophomores and they're not very wise, and they do and say not very wise things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I don't speak to them. I try not to speak to them as they're they're less than me or they're you know, they're fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year olds. They're they're uh, they're young men and they need to be treated as such. And and I think it does something to people when you you treat them that way and you expect you you have high expectations yeah. for people. Yeah, high expectations and a high standard. Right. Because like you said, you know, especially growing up with him, one thing was there was there was never excuses. Right. With Uncle Stan. 
you know, if I did something I wasn't supposed to do or if something wasn't up to snuff, there wasn't an excuse. Yeah. Like, he never allowed it. And he, he wasn't, he was strong about it, but he wasn't a jerk about it. You know, it's like sure. you're saying, you know, even if you're the slowest guy on the team, it, it's almost this inspiring thing. I know sometimes it sounds like, oh, you know, he does, there's, they don't accept any excuses. I mean, right. come on, come on. But with Uncle Stan, it was a very inspiring thing that really brought out the best in me. Um, just the idea like, wow, here's this, you know, obviously physically big man, right. which especially when you're a little boy, you know, that physical presence. Yeah. It's, it's really one of the biggest things when it comes to modeling what manhood looks like. Just this big physical presence who takes me seriously and who values what I do yeah. and who looks into my life. It actually really means a lot and really develops something in you. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that principle where he treats you, you're six years old. All right, young man, you got a job yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one one memory I have, this might might not necessarily fit into any lesson, but just as you were talking, I was, it just came to my mind. One of the my earliest embarrassing memories, kind of like one of those memories that keeps you up at night, yeah. <laughs> pop into your head. Yeah. Um, back in the day when we would practice, this is like, you know, almost nearly 20 years ago, we would all practice at the same football field. So you'd have everybody from, you know, the, the kids on the seven-year-old team to the kids on the 13-, 12-year-old team. Yeah. Um, so you'd have easily a few hundred kids practicing, if not more, uh, probably close to five or 600 kids out there, if I'm doing the math right. Um, and then families, parents. And so everybody, there'd be like the school field we're practicing on. Well, obviously, there was only one exit to get out of the field. And um, I, being all being being young and cool, and I tried to jump the fence. Well, when I went over the side, my shorts got stuck, Ooh. and I was hanging from my shorts in front of everybody, and I couldn't <laughs> get off. And uh, who comes is Coach Stanford, <laughs> pulls me off of the pulls me off of the fence, and I thought I was going to be in even more trouble. I thought he was going to tell my dad, but he just laughed and you know yep. probably scolded me and told me not to do that. But uh, probably got the rest of the team to laugh at you too. It was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. All right, cool. All right, so a lesson that I took from Uncle Stan uh, was the lesson of being strong. Mm. Obviously, he was a very strong physical guy. You know, in his 60s, still benching 500 pounds. Biggest guy in the gym, showing all the young bucks up. Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know, so when I went to the gym with him and I'd work out, his nickname was The Godfather. (laughs) Actually, side note, I think they're actually putting a memorial that's what I heard. In Western Village to him. I don't know if it's going to be a poster or a statue or what. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the guy was known for his physical strength. But what was really cool is, especially a lot of the messages I got after he passed from guys who went to the gym with him. You know, a lot of them were like, Uncle Stan. Well, they don't call him Uncle Stan. I call him Uncle Stan. <laughs> like, Stanford taught me so much about life, so much about working, you know, so much yeah. about family. Like, oh, and yeah, he helped me with my lifts. Or, oh, yeah, you know, he helped yeah. me with this. And... And one of the values that my uncle held that, you know, I'm really grateful for is just this value of strength that, you know, you always have to be strong. And that doesn't mean, you know, you just got to walk with a puffed up chest all the time and you got to ignore when things get hard. But you have to have some sort of, this is value where no matter what, you know, I'm going to be strong in my life. I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And not only that, I'm going to be strong for my family and for my friends. And I, I mean, when I was six years old, he'd come over, hey, young man, you know, you're the man of the house. Why does this look like this? <laughs> you know, come on, you know, you got to take care of this. Yeah. 
I remember when I was 14, Uncle Stan came over and opened the fridge, and he, he saw there wasn't a lot of food in there. Now, my mom, because I was in high school, my mom valued education. She's mm-hmm. like, I want you to go to school. I don't want you to work while you're in school. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to focus on your studies. <laughs> and my Uncle Stan comes up to me. He says, hey, uh, Justin, why is this refrigerator so empty? I'm like, well, we just, you know, that one's like, how old are you? I'm like 14. He's like, how old do you have to be to get a job? I'm like 15. Sorry, when you turn 15, you get a job. You help your mom fill this fridge, all right? I'm like, yes, sir. My mom's like, no, he's got to focus on his school. <laughs> Sorry, my mom doesn't sound like that. But he's like, no, you you, know, you need to support. You're, you're the man of the house. You know, you're, you're going to be 15, get a job, help her fill the fridge. Yeah. Even when I went off to college, he had to talk with me. He's like, you're going off to school. Make sure you take care of your mom. Mm-hmm. And just that value of strength, like it didn't matter what obstacles I faced, didn't matter what disadvantages I had. You know, obviously Uncle Stan was very physical. Yeah. Right. In the sports and the athletics. And for me, I had, you know, a condition growing up where, you know, I wasn't very good at sports. I was in a lot of casts and then a lot of wheelchairs and walkers and whatnot. But even then, my uncle never talked to me like I was disabled, never talked to me like I couldn't go out and you know, ball up with all the other guys who were a foot taller than me. Mm-hmm. Cause like you, I, I was the shortest guy out there too. Right. You know, there's no reason I couldn't go play tackle football with yeah. guys who are twice my size for him. He just, he just didn't, he didn't allow you to entertain that mindset. Right. He just instilled it. Like, look, you're strong. All right. Maybe you're going to get hurt playing against these guys, but sure. you better go for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really value that. Cause that, that outlook really helped me get a lot of places in life that right. I probably wouldn't have got anywhere else. Yeah. It's so true. Um, I think um, another thing kind of tying into that is just um, the nature of having a, a high standard. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, especially being, you know, being a competitive power lifter like he was um, and being and helping people do that for many, many years, even after he was kind of, you know, sort of done competing. Um, the thing about that is powerlifting, there's very strict and stringent uh, standards and, and very... Um, very you know a squat is is a squat and you have to get down to 90 degrees and a bench press you can only arch your back so much and you have this and that and same thing with the deadlift and um there's there's judges actually at these competitions which you know you know justin um where they they watch you and they they make sure your form's good they make sure your spotter's not touching the bar and and i think that's very reminiscent of of who stanford is Yep. Um, not just as a power lifter, but, but as a person and hearing the stories that you've shared about him, um, just having that high standard and yep. having, having that, you know, the, I guess looking at it through the eyes of a, of a judge of a power lifter, you know, I, his type of thing, even seeing how he dealt with us as, as his players or as you, you know, like you're saying, he, yeah he didn't let your disabilities or your shortcomings affect the standard that he had. Yeah, you know, and I think, like you're saying, he was. It's not like he was a a, a, a jerk about it, and wasn't like he was a, a dictator about it. But he had a standard, you know, like talking about running those sprints at seven years old. Even if you're the biggest, slowest guy on the team, you were gonna finish first at least one of those. Even if you yep. had to go thirty sprints deep, you yeah. were gonna finish first. And he wasn't gonna let. Because I've been on other teams where, um, you know, where I've seen coaches kind of um settle for for people's disabilities you know oh if you're you're the big kid we used to have this really large kid on our team and he was the only one exempt from running sprints because he was so large they would let him run around the field 
just kind yeah. of trot around the field. And I can see why he was a very large guy. <laughs> um, but yeah. at the same time, I also think about there's something to holding everybody to a standard. Yeah. And what is, you know, and I think Stanford had a, a, a standard for, for everybody yeah. um, in terms of the people he, he trained, um, the, the, his loved ones, the ones closest to him, he had, he had standards that, that yeah. he wanted to help people meet. And, and I just think about that going back to those practices and, and how he treated us going back to talking about how he treated us like men from such young ages. Yeah. I mean, those were such formative years for how I viewed football for the rest of my life since then. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So for example, I was in, I think sixth grade and I signed up for the boys and girls club <laughs> for basketball my mom signed me up for a league and me i loved basketball i was so bad at it though but i, I didn't care you know i loved it and uncle stan came to one of my games my first game and you know i just i i, I was yeah I, I struggled athletically but i had heart and you know he saw me and this was you know right after i'd had some leg surgeries and i'd you know started walking again mm-hmm. and he pulled me aside after the game he's like hey i saw you hustling out there good job he's like but you're too slow mm-hmm. he's like you know let me help you I, you know I'm going to come over, you know, I'm going to help you see how you can get faster so you can keep up with the other boys. See, coach, right, not Stanford, but the other coach was like, oh, Justin, you know, you got heart, man. You know, you you just, you had your surgeries, and, you know, just the fact that they you're out here is that. good. Yeah. Which is cool, you know, you need that, you need that encouragement. Sure. But U- Uncle Stan had this way of being very strong and having a very high standard, but not writing you off. Right, yeah, that's what it is. Not like, okay, yeah, Justin, you know, you've got this disability, so, you know, cool. He's like, all right, you know, you've got this disability. Here, I could show you how to get around that. Let's mm-hmm. do it so you can keep up with the other boys. Yeah. And so he came over the next weekend. We hung out in the front yard, and he showed me how to do little sprints, how to push kind of hard off the ground, certain things, and, you know, had me running with my cousins. Yeah. And... Yeah, you know, he he never compromised that standard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so moving on, what do we lesson lesson two for you? Your lesson two. My lesson two. I'd say probably hard work and discipline. Mm. Obviously, just if you look at him, you could tell he was really disciplined. Yeah. In the gym every day, several hours. That was his passion. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when COVID first started and all the gyms had shut down, he was going to Santa Barbara every day to work out. Wow. He did found a, a private gym, I think. Some somebody was letting him use that gym, but he's very like disciplined. Went every day. Wow. Um, but even in his life, if you go back to his house, you know, his apartment was really always really clean. His mm-hmm. cars, he spent so much time cleaning and detailing his cars. One of the last times I hung out with him was we had to do some demolition at my mom's house. We tore out the garage and mm-hmm. You know, so we could install an electric door instead of one of the fold-up ones. And we had some bedrooms out there, and we just did a bunch of demolition. Mm-hmm. And after the demo, right, we go out, and for an hour, you know, he's, he pulls out his, his duster. He's got a car duster, <laughs> a special one that he's had for 20, 30 years that he used on his old Corvette. He had a 1980-something Stingray mm-hmm. that we called the Batmobile. But he just sat there. He had a Chrysler 300, I think a 2003 Things still super clean, super shiny. And before he takes off, he starts wiping it and cleaning it off the whole car. <laughs> and then he starts looking in the back seats, cleaning out the the floors and just cleaning out any I mean, there wasn't anything in there already, but yeah. spent an hour in front of the house detailing the car before he went home. <laughs> Cause that was just the high standard and the discipline he wow. had. He just took such good care of his things. Wow. 
And if he ever caught me not taking care of stuff, I'd get the call, I'd get the text, I'd get the visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just had that discipline to him where if you're going to do something, do it right, do yeah. it well, and do it consistent. Wow. And I'm sure probably on the football field, you you with him on the football field and on the t-ball diamond. Did he coach you in football too? Uh, baseball? He coached you, he coached you in fo- baseball. No, football. Oh, he coached you football. No, baseball. No, baseball. No, t-ball either. No, he said, t-ball. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, I'm sure you probably got that on the football field, but he was all about discipline, you know, all about doing things right, not slacking. And that was just a principle, I think. If you're going to slack in one area of life, it's going to lead you to slack in others, and he just would nip that at the butt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. That's what, that's why that's why I said that. I'm glad he didn't coach me <laughs> baseball because then I would have spent a lot of extra time getting better at a sport that I hated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's so true. I think that that is, that's, that's, that's a special thing, especially from a, you know, I keep talking from a coach's standpoint. And even though it's kind of funny, even though he only directly coached me one year, um, we were always around each other's teams and stuff. I mean, all of us mean, you know, your cousin Jordan, we grew up on football fields practically. Yeah. And so every Saturday we'd be around each other and, and talking and things of that nature. So, I mean, coaches, once a coach for me, you're always, a, you're a coach forever. Um, yeah. It's the same thing. And I think that's the, you know, that's something that I think of now is, is kind of lost in, in, um, kind of lost in the in the mix of things of in terms of uh that hard work principle right that principle of hard work that you're talking about there are things that that guys from from that day and age that the the old school powerlifting guys like yeah like um you know i and i had that conversation with one of the the main kind of supervisors at a, a gym in town called western village this is a different breed. And he was this older guy, Ron, the guy who runs the, the front. And and one day he stopped me when I was walking in, and he, and he said, "Hey, is, is Ken your dad?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "I recognize your last name." He's like, "I've known your dad um, for a long time." I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, I remember him in Stanford." And he started name off a couple other of my dad's buddies that I that I heard of. He's like, yeah, those guys used to, man, those guys used to move around some weight. And he just starts telling me, you know, little, just little anecdotes, little stories about, about, you know, and, and these guys have been, and I, and I think that's, that's, that's the key is, you know, Stanford and my dad, Stanford was a few years older than my dad, but, um, it's funny that you say like Stanford was lifting till the end, you know, he was lifting until it was, until it was, uh, he, things got turned, turned worse for him. And, and it's the same thing, you know, my dad still. Still lifting, still hitting it every day, and, and guys like that, they don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. And I think that's, looking back on it, I didn't see how important it was back then, but now I look at the generation of men that now we're responsible for raising, and I think about how important that consistency is, like you're talking about. Yeah. If you're going to do something, what did you say? If you're going to do something, do it right, do it consistently. Yep, do it right, do it consistent. And I think that is, um, the guys like that, the old the old timers that, were seemed like they were around when weightlifting was invented. Yeah. Um, they, man, those guys, they still, there's so many of those guys, they still in some way, shape, or form, they, they go and they hit it every day. Yeah. Um, and it's, and, and that's who they are. And those are the values that they instilled in us. Um, yeah. And I think, and one other, I guess, thing I can have to, I have to say, um, 
to do to do uh, Stanford any any justice is one big thing that I think he would kind of want us to share is uh, anytime I saw him from the day maybe when I started going to the gym on my own he always had somebody with him when I would see him in the gym yep he always had to hey what's up coach Hey, DeBone, how's it going? How you doing, young man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, hey, this is so and so. I'm training them for a for a meet and and uh, man, and that's the thing though. So you see a lot of trainers sometimes, and they'll they'll uh, kind of just direct people yeah. in, in lifts. But no, Stanford was swapping in and out with them, um, yeah. teaching and training. But that's something he always did. Is is yeah, he he did it through the avenue of of coaching, uh, you know, coaching football and coaching, you know, weight weightlifting, power, power lifting. He did it through that Avenue, but he was consistently, um, adding value to people. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is that, and being on this side of coaching, it is such a, it could be such an exhausting thing, um, to be around people and constantly be pouring into them and giving and teaching and helping and paying attention to little details, especially when it comes to a thing like powerlifting, when it comes to a thing like football or real technical sports, basketball, and yeah, and the such is, is um, yeah, the the sport is important, but but the you can never lose that that flame, that passion to why you're doing, it, or else you're just babysitting kids yeah. for a couple hours each day, and I don't think that that Stanford, you know, he he took, I mean, I do think that he took his job seriously. Um, he took those training sessions seriously. Um, he would be all, I remember seeing him at Western Village, he would be all um, black Under Armour shirt, black shorts, black leggings, black socks, black uh, kind of like water yep. shoes, black he'd have skull his belt cap, on the whole time. Had yep. his belt on. Black belt. Um, just, just blacked out and just still jacked, man. Still huge, but then, you know, stopping and paying attention to the little, the little things and, and helping whoever he was training. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I always, I never saw him in the gym alone. Yeah. He was always training somebody and it, it just always tripped me out. How could you have that much energy even being, you know, 60 years old? It's yeah. a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of intense um, moments, but I think, you know, that's something again that, you know, now as we are, we're kind of, you know, picking up the mantle and, and, and helping shape this next generation of, of people is, to be something that, you know, I think you took really well from your uncle is you're always constantly looking for uh, an opportunity to add value or to teach. And I think that's such a, a high value both that, of us. that it's, and it's, and it's a, it's a hard kind of way to live sometimes. Cause sometimes yeah. you just, you want to go into a situation and just, and there's time for rest and, and that, that's those things. But the bigger picture of why I'm saying that is I think that's, you know, even for people listening that didn't know, um, didn't know Stanford is to try to live a life where maybe each day, you, you know, you add value to somebody yeah. and it's just to see, just to see what it's like. And even just to have that wellspring of life inside of you to consistently give yeah, and to consistently pour out on people. I think, um, that, that's, that is our responsibility. And I think Stanford looked upon these people that he coached and family members and things like that. And he saw them as his responsibility to take care of. His yeah. responsibility to add value to them. Yeah. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, my cousin Jordan, actually, he, he said it really well uh, when he was he was speaking the other day. Mm-hmm. He said, whenever you were around Stanford, he was engaged with you. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, you're, you're hanging out with someone. There's, there's got to be a TV on in the background or, you, you know, people have their phones out. 
it's very rare that you get someone's undivided attention, but right. every encounter with Stanford, he just had this gift where if you're with him, he, totally. you've got his attention, yeah. right? There was never like this, oh, hey, 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 you know, kind of walk off. It's you, he engages with you. Right. At the gym, you see it, right? He sees a person who's like, oh, hey, hey, Bob, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Like, you know, how's your life? How, how you get? I honestly can't think of a conversation with my uncle that lasted less than a minute. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Wow. You know, he's always like, hey, young man, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And his other question is, so are you getting stronger? That was always his question to me. Even still to this day, last time I saw him. Hey, so you getting stronger? You getting stronger? And... It's like you said, you know, he just he just had this thing where he would just engage with people. Mm-hmm. If you went to his house, you'd just sit on the couch and you guys would just talk. He wow. came over here, we would just talk. Yeah, they came over for Thanksgiving and, you know, even when we FaceTimed, we FaceTimed him on Christmas, just engaged. You know, we go outside, play sports, he's engaged. But I, I can't really think of a time. Wow. Because, you know, sometimes you're just around people and, you know, even like the, the classic, like, dad, 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 what? Okay, okay, okay. You know, and just mm-hmm. get over you know, he he was just he just had that he had that dad thing in him sure. where he was just constantly engaged and focused on you, right? Never ignored anyone. Wow. So and definitely added value to people. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said at the gym. That was why one of the coolest moments for me at the gym was I went with him maybe four or five times. Mm-hmm. And each time I went, you know how if you ever go somewhere and you're like with the coolest person in the organization or you're like you know celebrity status, yeah. yeah. I just walk in the gym with him, and he'll be like, yo, what's up? Even just walking to the weight room, we'd get stopped maybe five or six times. Like, yo, big Stan, what's up, man? Or, hey, the Godfather, what's up, man? Yeah. It's like, hey, everyone, you know, I'm, I'm working out with my nephew here, Justin. I'm uh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know. And he just had that presence to him. Right. And, yeah. So adding value to people. Mm-hmm. I'd say... uh third lesson, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to three right. I have, is really standing up for what you believe and being a person of faith and conviction. Mm. I think that's one of the best things about my Uncle Stanford that most people would share if they were to share stories about him and stories with him, is that he had very deep convictions and he didn't apologize for them yeah. at all. Wow, so true. I remember I was at the gym with him once and you know, he was trying to share, he was trying to give some advice to a young guy whose form was off and, you know, the young guy wasn't having it. <laughs> and, um, the guy said something like, you know, well, you know, this is the way he, he brought up like human evolution or something. And I, I don't know, I don't know how it got there, <laughs> but my uncle Stan was a hardcore Christian and he's like, wait, you believe in that evolution crap? <laughs> and, you know, they start arguing back and forth and uncle Stan says, like, look, man, you and your mama may have come from a monkey, but I ain't come from no monkey. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that evolution. Pfft, yeah. Man. That's awesome. And he, he was just that guy. You know, he just, he believed what he believed. He yeah, didn't apologize. No, didn't back down. You know, if he thought something was out of alignment, mm-hmm. something wasn't right, he would be the first to speak up. Yeah. And if someone challenged him, he wouldn't back down, mm-hmm. you know, with his faith. Uh, it's funny because he's, he's a really big Trump supporter as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posted a picture of him on social media, you know, kind of in his passing. And the best picture I had of him was one that he sent me of him wearing a black votes for Trump (laughs) shirt. And 
he just, I mean, he wore, when, at the gym, you'd see him with all the Trump shirts and the Trump yeah. uh, bandanas and do-rags. Yeah. Nope. And that was just his thing. Yeah. Is he just, he believed what he believed mm-hmm. and didn't apologize for it. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things I really think is, is a real blessing from God is my last time I spent with him, I spent it with my cousin Evan, me, him, and my Uncle Stan. We were just sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. and we just talked for like four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin Evan had called me over. He's like, hey, me and my dad, we barbecued three steaks. There's only two of us. You should come over. Get it. I'm like, you got it. Let's go. Yeah. And we just talked. We talked about life. Mm-hmm. We talked about the world. We talked about, you know, a big a big thing that we talked a lot about that was really close to my uncle's heart was really the direction our country is headed uh, specifically for young men and even more specifically for black young men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just talked about different things going on in the world and what we could do about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like just a session. You know, you hear old guys kind of shooting the breeze. Oh, this generation, you know, they're this and, you yeah. know, this, that, and Trump this or Biden that or Obama this. Mm-hmm. It is genuine. Like, you know, how how are we going to get, you know, the black men to survive through this next decade? Or, mm-hmm. you know, how are we going to help our people overcome you know, this, with all this political crud going on, you know, what are we going to do after COVID? You know, how it was always, it it was very strategic, very like, okay, this is our responsibility. What are we going to do about it? Right. And so me and my uncle Stan and my cousin Evan, we just talked. Wow. And, you know, he just dropped a lot of knowledge, a lot of history of things that he grew up seeing because, you know, he grew up in the Mm seventies and we just talked about basically what we could do in our role in fixing you know, fixing the world and fixing what's going on. Yeah. And his thing was always like, look, if you believe something and you believe it's right, stand up, don't apologize, be who you want right. to be. Stand up for what you're going to stand up for. Yeah. You know, whether it's your faith, your Christian faith, he stood up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it's your political beliefs. But for him, it wasn't even about the politics. For him, it was about the principles behind it. Right. Because obviously, you know, he's very like, you know, the, the, yeah, it's definitely the philosophy. Look, if you're if you're struggling, mm-hmm. or it's your responsibility to pick yourself back up. Right. You know, even if you got setbacks, I mean, that was his thing with me the whole time. Look, Justin, you've, yeah, you don't have a dad. Yeah, you got all these physical, you know, deformities. But you can't use that as an excuse. You got to move well, forward. Yeah. You know, and that was his philosophy, and that was his mentality, and a lot of that is what kind of drove yeah. his politics in a sense. Mm-hmm. That and. You know, he was just passionate about it. Yeah. But, yeah, really just standing up for what you believe and not backing down. And I think even one of my earliest memories from those years of playing football was, um, you know, I always remember Stanford would get a lot of, he'd catch a lot of stuff for, for how he dressed, too. <laughs> and especially, you know, maybe almost 20 years ago, he uh, he would, which in all reality, the shirt was probably like an XL. But man, did he make that shirt look tiny? He would have the the sleeves rolled that we all had. The coaches had, uh, you know, team shirts that they wore and stuff. And he he wore that thing. I'll tell you that yeah. he he would make those sleeves beg for mercy around his arms. <laughs> he would, uh, you know, be wearing his his yeah. kind of like khaki cargo shorts and maybe some combat boots or whatever kind of boots he was rocking that day. And I, you know, he would he would catch a lot of stuff for it. I'm sure nobody ever told him to his face directly, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, he was unapologetically him. Yeah, he wasn't gonna let anybody put him into a box. Yeah, he was gonna any, let anybody you know make him feel bad for, for you know wearing a shirt that he was busting through. Yeah, he was he was uh, he did what he wanted. 
you know, and I think yeah. that's the perfect example of um, even down to his beliefs. And he wasn't going to let people tell him, um, you know, hearing more and more you talk about him and the different things you've shared in the past about him. Um, he, he definitely wasn't going to be punked by anybody. Wasn't going to yeah. let anybody tell him what he should think because he is this kind of guy. Yeah. Or he's this person, you know? We were, we were joking around too, me and my cousins, because he used to always say the singer, if he sensed you were in a bad mood, didn't care who you were. didn't care how old you were. didn't care. He's just like, look, if you're in a bad mood, you stay over there. Don't come by me. You're not going to ruin my day. Like you deal <laughs> with your crap. Then you come talk to me. But he's like, you know, and so it is hilarious because I mean, I was a principal. He's like, look, I don't want you ruining my day. If you're having a bad day, wow. go figure it out. Then come talk to me. Like you ain't, yeah. ain't going to come to awesome. my house. You're not going to come to my ground. I'm working out. You know, I'm doing yeah. this. I'm, you know, my life's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, I don't want you. So, yeah. Lessons from Uncle Stan. Yeah. And I think as a tribute, you know, to him, like, yeah, we're, we're talking personal stories. And obviously, you know, Justin and Coach Stanford's really, you know, close to you. Um, you know, and, and, and some of your, your family is going to listen to this as well. And, but I, I really think, you know, for, for, uh, for people that know Stanford, this is really easy to grasp and, and grab yeah. onto and, and get a hold of. But even for some of you guys who don't, don't really know who we're talking about, um, you know, I still, th- I, I, I still think to put it in this perspective, um, of, you know, these values, they're not just values. I mean, we could have gone on, I'm sure you could have gone on for days and, yeah. kept kept growing this list could have easily been twice as long if not more yeah. um but but we picked you know we picked these values because these lessons um because i think you know at least when i was just jotting these down really quick these are the earliest things that i could form into words the things that that i remember from such a young age being being taught and and told and and uh, modeled yeah. um and these are, it's important to think in the big scheme of things and really even kind of to an extent of why we have this podcast and why we're just doing the sit down conversation and yeah. sharing it and, you know, obviously hoping it grows, but not hoping it grows for, for a number's sake. Cause at the end of the day, that'd be cool. But, um, that's not what it's about. Like we want, we want to have lives that count. Yeah. And, you know, if you're out there and you're listening to this, um, take these values, take these lessons and, and just, like I said, try to add value to somebody. Just be really practical with this. Try to be stronger emotionally, spiritually, physically. You know, try to do try to do these things, but more than that, try to have a life that counts. Try to have a life that when you leave this earth, try to do your best on your way out to impact yeah. as many people as you can. And like I said, that's really the reason behind why we have this podcast. It's not so that we can make money off of it or so that... It, you know, we can grow numbers and get Instagram followers and stuff, but it's, we want to have follow us on Instagram, but no. by the way, <laughs> but, but it's more than that, right? It's, it's yeah. because we want to have an impact on people. We want to, our lives, we want our lives to count in, in as big as a way as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like my uncle Stan, you know, he really modeled it, living for other people, mm-hmm. adding value to other people. What's it say in the Bible? It says, uh, greater love hath no man than this than one lay down his life for his friends. Wow. Which, you know, I translate as there's no glory in living for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the most glorious life you're going to live is one where you're laying your life down for others, where you're instilling and imparting what you have in the people's lives. And uh, you're generous with the seeds that God's given you in your life. And I think my Uncle Stan was a very good example of that. Yeah. And we can hope 
know you and me as we knew Uncle Stan and Coach Stanford that one day, you know, the things that we learned and taken in life that hopefully, you know, we could do a little more than he did. And then hopefully the next generation could do a little more, a little more. Yep. And uh, we could, you know, we could turn around. Yeah. Turn this thing around. So. Come on. Come on. Go do it. Go move something around. Yeah. Go lift some weights in, in his memory. Yeah. Go reach out to someone. Go just, you know, you have more to offer than you think. Wow. So go be the love. You know, let's make it count. Let's make a difference. Yeah. Let's do it. Do like Kenny does. And I just try to be like Justin. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, if you have any questions, you know, you can direct message either myself or Kenny on Instagram, or you can send us an email, monumentsmovements at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Monuments Movements podcast. You can make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know they're kind of starting to review us a little bit now, but we're still up. We're still going. We're still Let's kicking. Go. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you give us a positive rating, spread the word, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time. Peace. Peace. Whoa, what the heck?